You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Brad Hand. Uh, is there really anything else to talk about than Brad Hand and what this means in terms of the Indians and salary and what the payroll is going to look like for next year? So if you missed it, the uh, the Indians did something they've never done before, uh, at least I can remember in recent memory, which is they placed Brad Hand on waivers. Normally when it gets to this point in time, they just you know do their buyout, pay that million or so bucks, and move on. Uh, no, that million bucks is too much money. So they are going to, they placed him on waivers. If any team wants Brad Hand, they can have him for free right now. Uh, the, the, and the Indians can save an extra million dollars. That is how bad the situation has gotten. Unlike uh, last year where they picked up the option, figuring, hey, a trade will come around for Corey Kluber, we're confident. They decided they couldn't even risk the $10 million with Hand, and they didn't even, if, they weren't going to do that, then let's see if someone will take the extra million off the books. Uh, I think someone will. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe I end up being wrong and no one claims him, in which case uh, my analysis on Brad Hand and his value is was completely false. But I have a hard time seeing him get past a lot of teams that have players hitting free agency at you know positions of need in the bullpen. And yeah, I know the velocity was down, but till the postseason he had been extremely effective this year uh, for the Indians and for most of his time in Cleveland uh, yeah it, a bit of a stunning move and then the way they went about it I mean I guess it makes more sense right if you're the Indians you're going to be cash strapped it makes more sense to waive him and save an extra million as a reminder they paid San Diego they own two million uh, I believe Roberto Perez was five million and Austin Hedges two million so they spent ten million on unproductive catching uh, just shy of, and uh, instead of this year willing to spend it on one of the top relievers in the American League. They do have the options to replace him. If you listen to the podcast earlier in the week, uh, specifically Wednesday's, epi- Wednesday's episode on pitching, you heard me talk about all the players that they could use. Uh, moving, I don't know who you move into that closer role. I do not think it is a good role for Karen Chalk. Um, talked about how he can be... Uh, high-strung, and I don't know if you want a high-strung closer. Um, I just don't know if you want that at all. I don't know who else you maybe go to. Um, would you just throw someone like Class A in there? Would you put Nick Wetgren in there? What, how do you go about the pen? It's going to be interesting for sure. For sure. But uh, So what's this mean, bigger picture? It means the Indians are hosed. Uh, I don't know. I can't get past the fact that this past year the Indians' payroll was $37.5 million. Uh, I do not expect it to... Uh, there is a chance next year's payroll will be short, smaller than the payroll in this shortened season. In this season that was uh, subs... You know, uh, we saw them have a percentage deal with the players, and the Indians' percentage for how much the season played was $37.5 million. If they trade Lindor after letting go hand and Santana certainly being gone... Um, and I'm more and more convinced that Carlos Carrasco will be traded. 
Uh, you're going to have Jose Ramirez and then a bunch of arbitration players. It's going to be pretty easy to keep that payroll low. And if they don't go digging into free agency hardly at all, uh, this could be a team that has like a $30 million payroll. on it. That could happen. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. And ownership would love it. Uh, it's going to be ugly looking. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, they lost money on this season. They wanted everyone to know that they really lost money this year. That came up uh, without anyone pressing on it. That was something they wanted everyone to know, and that kind of should have prepared us all that this season is going to be... Um, I don't want to call it a rebuilding year, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the Indians' contention window is kind of slammed shut. Uh, at this point in time, we'll see, you know, if Bieber can continue to, to, I mean, it's hard to improve on what he did, but then the implosion at the end of the year, it's like, see what he can do over the course of a full season. But the rest of that rotation is more mid-to-back-end types, unless you're 100% convinced that Zach Plesak has broken out. This is not the Indians of a few years ago where they had, you know, that young core in place and they had great players and the rotation had, at points, four of the top 20 pitchers in the American League. The the rotation next year is not going to have four of the top 20 pitchers in the American League. The lineup is not going to have two potential MVPs. Uh, On the other side of things, you have the Twins who, you know, spent on uh, Josh Donaldson and have some really high-end prospects getting ready to hit the majors and have consistently drafted and developed well and then been able to supplement with free agency. And you have the White Sox, a large market team that uh, is coming out of their rebuild phase, has their own Cy Young candidate and a stacked system of bats and MVP, two two MVP candidates themselves. Um, It is hard to see any scenario as we look to next year where the Indians are going to start the season projected better than third. It's hard to see a scenario honestly where they're anywhere other than third. I don't think you really, even with the, uh, we'll talk about the the Pirates, the Tigers news on the second half of the show today. But yeah, this Indians team, uh, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, it's, this is a situation that's this is worse than Michael Brantley because I, I understood the Michael Brantley decision because there was a chance he'd accept the qualifying offer and you know, as a reminder, everyone, yes, he got a long-term contract with Houston with an average value that was below the qualifying offer. He has he made less money uh, than he would have if he had been given the qualifying offer and accepted it. And honestly, if he had taken the qualifying offer and accepted it and had the same year uh, for the Indians that he ended up having for Houston, he would have made significantly more money in free agency the next year. I don't have any doubt of that. So yeah, I mean that's where we kind of are with this team right now. Lindor is going to be traded, and it's going to be for likely four to five pieces, two to three that can help next year, and then some longer shots that are a bit further away. Um, four to five might be much. I, I am very concerned that the Lindor market is not what people expect it to be. He is going to be very expensive. He is going to be a rental, and he's coming off of three years of uh, slight offensive regression. When you add in the fact that he's coming off kind of a weak performance uh, in this season, I I don't know. You know, we, we went there and talked to some Lindor deals throughout um, this process because he is going to be traded. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Francisco Lindor's days in a Cleveland Indians uniform are done. But... I feel like I am likely overvaluing him. I feel like he is going to go for a lot less than people expect. 
um, because I think teams are going to count his salary against his overall value. I think that is something we will see. And when you look at what happened with the World Series, I mean, that probably hurt the Indians' market. Um, Los Angeles has doesn't really have a need to begin with for Lindor, but if they had lost, they could have had an excuse for him. Uh, now you can pretty much shut the door on a Lindor to the Dodgers deal and looking for those teams with the deep pockets that isn't gonna, that aren't going to be affected by it. Uh, it's something that uh, it, it's harder to put together, harder to find. Uh, second half of the show, we'll talk about the Tigers news. We're going to talk about the catching situation. Um, there could be some more players let go in there and some... I have a few takes to give on uh, Hedges and Berto, so tune in for that in a second. So our sponsor today is Built Bar, and Built Bar is doing a lot of things right now. Uh, I need to put in a new order, because right now, any order you put in, you're getting uh, two free of their caramel apple bars with uh, with any order. So if you're going to do it, now is the time. You're getting some bonus bars for free. They just introduced their uh, Built Minis. Uh, little bites of awesome with all the same flavors from their big box that's you know for someone like me I'm probably not gonna go with the minis because uh, I just like the the big bar as they are but yeah you get two free caramel apple bars with every order over $20 so now is the time to make an order go get that mixed box that is still my recommendation for uh, the best thing to do because you get all those options and I think that's really the way to go over a build your own or anything else I, I think mix box that that is where the right prices are and it looks like strawberry might still be available so get that while you can it is uh now is the time to go and remember when you go to builtbar.com use that promo code locked on andy uh, at d-e-b-c-i-s-e you know he told me that it was under a dollar a bar when you use the locked on promo code so that's fantastic right now you go to most places i always think about like when i'm on a road trip and i stop at a gas station it's hard to get a protein bar for a dollar so these are great tasting bars. There's my favorite uh, bar. I have it every day. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Trust me, you'll enjoy the product you get. So uh, maybe a case of not enjoying the product you get was the catching situation this year for the Cleveland Indians. And with them cutting hand, it really makes you wonder what they're going to do at the catching position. Are they really going to spend close to $9 million between... Berto and Hedges and how much right now are they shopping Berto and why do I think they're shopping him well Hedges has very good defensive numbers as well and uh, I mean arguably better than uh, than Roberto Perez is uh, Roberto Perez is definitely has had the higher offensive production um, if you could ever fix Hedges the ceiling there is fantastic like, he has legitimate plus power he runs well he has all the tools to be a star but the important one, you just can't make contact. It doesn't matter how much power and speed you got if you can't uh, connect with the ball, and he connects with the, with the ball worse than most pitchers. Uh, you can make a legitimate case with Hedges that there are guys you would rather pin uh, DH for Hedges than pitchers in the game. Like that's, that's not exaggeration. That is the truth. So I think it is kind of fascinating to see how the Indians handle catcher because what basically... Hedges' value to the Indians, yes, they weren't sure what was going to happen with Roberto Perez. He gave them a nice little depth option. But if they move on from him, then that makes me feel like his addition in the Clevenger trade was more about the fact that uh, San Diego knew they were already getting Austin Nola, 
and they were looking to save a few bucks. That that was, you know, to balance out what Clevenger's cost was. You take Hedges, who's going to make, who made, I think, about three last year, and is going to make about three this year, uh, because of that starting experience and because of the defensive value he he brought. Uh, his arbitration number is higher than probably his production uh, would make one uh, value him at. Like uh, $3 million is a lot for a backup. Let's put it that way. And it's uh, it's interesting to see just how they handle this. If someone gets designated for assignment, if someone does not get picked up, uh, if it's Hedges, that shows us that his value was not high to the Indians, and I'm starting to lean that way just because Sandy Leone looked DOA. He looked dead on arrival. I didn't see any signs of life the whole year for him as a defender. Um, I did not get the signing. I never liked the signing. I didn't like when they leaned on him for points in time. There was no value in him, and they still went to him over Hedges. So that just makes me even more believe that Hedges, that the Indians trade... For Clevenger was about five players. They liked Hedges. I mean, Hedges does fit their profile. They are big on framing and defense, and he does both of those better than anyone. But that they might have taken him on more to balance salary than because of evaluation. Um, the other side of things, he does make less than Roberto Perez. You could probably keep Leon and Hedges for combined less than Perez, and that could happen as well. I mean, that is a very real possibility. Could they trade Perez? I mean, I would think so. There's always a need, a catcher. Um, maybe a team like Philadelphia. I just said the word Philadelphia very weirdly. Would, uh, especially because it looks like Real Muto is going to leave and probably not come back. They could be in, in line for that. Uh, if Milwaukee passes on um, Navarez, who had a massive down year, there are going to be teams who are going to look at catchers. Uh, the Mets always feel like they could use a catcher and all of their additions haven't worked. Uh, it, and again, I mean, Perez is not super expensive and he's had high, you know, two years ago he looked like a great catcher. He had power, he walked, and he was that uh, top-end defender. He just didn't do that this year. The, the offensive game was non-existent and he had a lot going on physically, so there's reasons for that. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see what they do with that catching position because it's also going to speak to where this team is financially even more so. Uh, the, the hand situation sets things up, but it's just going to keep going like this. I'm kind of surprised. I understand that there's, like, no chance that anyone would claim Carlos Santana or Domingo Santana, but if they are that desperate to save a million bucks that they're going to wave hand... I'm surprised they just didn't put everyone on waivers and see if they couldn't save more. Like, uh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but... And there was a few years ago where I wrote about how it, the dumbest thing ever was the Rockies giving the qualifying offer to Michael Kadire, and then not only did he not claim it, but then the Mets signed him and lost a first-round pick, and you're like, wait, what? Crazy things can happen. Uh, if you're going to try it with hand, I try it with everyone. Like, that might as well, but... Yeah, I, the other question really comes down to, are they going to have a higher payroll in 2020 than, than they do in 2021? And it could happen. It's a crazy thought process. And I don't mean like just payroll as what it was projected to be. I mean money they actually spent on the, on the players' salaries. Let's talk about Detroit. Uh, 
kind of a controversial move, I would think. Uh, they are bringing in AJ Hinch to be their new manager. We got Larusa and Hinch uh, in about 24 hours announced for those two teams. Uh, I'm not in love with either of them because you got a guy who not a sterling reputation over the past few years and Larusa. It's just things keep coming up with him that have been negatives. He's been productive, but it's been almost a decade. And he was already feeling out of touch at points then. And then you have uh, a manager in Hinch who's always going to have a specter of cheating hanging over him. You're, you're, you're never going. He's never going to escape that. That is always going to follow him. That's always going to be something. Uh, when his teams have success, there will be the jokes. The things will come up with that. It, uh, yeah. I, I was kind of surprised by both those hires that Hinch was, uh, I almost said on the bench, but that feels like a bad pun on some levels, that he was a year out of the game. Hey, he won, he got a World Series, and uh, he gets another big contract to manage already. So that's that's where it is with him. Uh, Really, you know, he really suffered for his poor choices. in terms of the Indians, I'm. We'll see. I'm still curious to see what happens with their managerial situation because I don't know how you can have confidence in Tito Francona. I don't know with his health issues that have been mounting every single year, um, how you can trust that he's going to be ready. And then if he's not ready. It was, you know, I've read a few uh, local articles about, oh, well, you know, how do you feel about Sandy Alomar? I'm like, Sandy Alomar won't be the manager if anything happens to Tito next year. It'll be Brad Mills. Brad Mills is the bench coach. It's not Sandy Alomar. Sandy Alomar only filled in because Brad Mills took the season uh, because of family stuff. He was not involved in the season this year. Uh, He opted out. So, yeah, Alomar is... uh, And... If you've also noticed, Alomar's name has not come up even remotely with any job hiring, interviewing, looking at candidates. And there's there's reasons for that. And it is humorous to me when I see a lot of very positive takes on what he did and how he'd be in demand. And I'm like, no, it was not even remotely a good performance. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to stay with the Indians next year because there's not going to be anyone who has an interest in adding him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it for the show today. We'll have to kind of sit back and see what unfolds over the next few weeks. Um, this is the beginning. This is the the first step on this, uh, unfun year off season. It's just, it's hard to, to approach this off season with anything other than dread because we know what's coming. It's going to be a dismantling of this team. It's going to be setting themselves up to be the basketball version of the 7th or 8th seed for the next few years. It's just, you can have someone like Shane Bieber and still not be a good team. I mean, Mike Trout is a generational talent, and Los Angeles has been terrible for the majority of his time there. Uh, The Indians have talented players. They have a good minor league system, but it doesn't matter when you're cutting payroll to the degree that they are when you have an ownership group that can't afford to run a baseball team right now and it's it's a hard situation to be a fan and um yeah i mean i'm just gonna say it the window is closed that window that the indians had 
that was essentially from about, I don't know, 2015 through, we'll say, 2020. I think it was still kind of in place through this year. They had about a five-year window. It was, I think, even a better window than when the, the team was good in the 90s because the pitching in this window was the greatest the Indians have seen since the 50s and 60s, and they had enough offense to uh, to, to go places. And when you look at those 90s Indians teams, they just never had good pitching. Like, they didn't even have good pitching. They had okay pitching, or one guy who was good, and then meh. Uh, it's unfortunate that there was just a one-world series and that they ran into cheating and they ran into some bad managing by their own hand in the other uh, postseason. And that's feels like the end. Like... And they're gonna they're gonna try to continue to be a you know a wild card team because you never know what can happen. We saw that in 2019 with the Washington Nationals. Maybe they could get lucky in the postseason. You know, maybe if if Bieber could turn into how Corey Kluber was um, on that magical run to the World Series, where eventually Kluber came undone in that series uh, after being overused. But a situation like that could arise and it was you know it was basically Kluber and Miller carried that team into game seven of the World Series it felt like at points in time uh that can always happen you can always get lucky and that's essentially how the Indians are playing it and we'll see if they can do that going forward but I I just feel like we're seeing the end of this current run kind of that big great talented group uh who's left from it I mean think about it there's Jose Ramirez is going to be left from from that World Series team is there anyone else I it's and Carrasco didn't pitch in that series he was on the team he didn't pitch but I don't think he'll be with the Indians I, I honestly more and more I feel like with the way they're trimming they don't want him to get 10-5 rights where he can refuse trades uh, want to cut as much salary as possible is kind of the sinking feeling in my system right now we'll see if i'm wrong uh such a fun episode of locked on indians but let's be honest every thought everything i've said is things everyone else thought when we're like wow this is something weird the indians are doing that teams don't normally do oh they're doing it because they you're trying to save a million dollars yes to you and me a million dollars is huge when you are a franchise like the cleveland indians worth a billion dollars at their last Forbes estimation, uh, saving a million dollars of operating expense is not should not be that big of a deal. And it speaks to the situation with ownership, and it speaks to what the payroll is going to look like, and speaks to the team's chances going forward. It's just a very unfortunate situation. Um, I do, on one level, applaud them for trying, uh, the management for trying to stretch every dollar they are allowed to spend out uh if you're going to send on the positive that way it's a creative way uh to make sure that all the money you're investing is actually investing in making the team better i mean if they save a million dollars here and then they can use that million dollars later to sign someone like robbie grossman uh, who could be a very cheap free agent that could help the indians outfield then i'm all for it so hopefully we'll see something like that occur we'll see some reinvestment of all this little bits of money saved but who knows, Brad Hand, uh, we hardly knew you, but we still did win that trade by quite a bit and did not think, with the way things went this year, that Brad Hand, uh, that, or I should say Adam Simber, would outlive Brad Hand with the Cleveland Indians. 
This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review. That's very important to our show. Download daily. Download it every single day. Even if you can't necessarily listen, download. Let it play on mute. That helps the show out as well. Uh, check out our fantastic sponsors. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. That is where my hot takes will go. Every time the Indians make uh, a weird decision, no, I did not put one up against on the hand situation. I had a lot going on today. But for everything else, you can find my very hot takes to the lukewarm of takes when it comes to the Cleveland Indians. Thank you, as always. You fans are the reason this podcast is able to keep going and stay uh, strong. But let's make it even better. That's my challenge to the fan base. Uh, get a friend to listen. Get someone else to download. Let's grow our numbers out so we can start uh, competing with the big boys in the American League Central in terms of uh, downloads, listens, and the like. I have been Jeff Ellis, which I have already said, but as always, go Tribe.